From the highways and the byways of sleepy Somerset in England, welcome to Spike's Podcast, where we reflect on the joy of running amidst the joy of life. Well, good afternoon, everybody, all Spike's listeners. Uh, Wednesday, the 3rd of August, just after 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, just going to put a few miles in place. Um, I think these days, actually, it's about the steps I'm taking. <laughs> um, I think, uh, I suspect, uh, several of you have uh, fitness trackers. Um, I'll be honest, it wasn't something I particularly hankered for. Um, but Gina's youngest daughter, Frankie, she came home um, a couple of weeks ago now, and uh, she's the the one who's been living in China. So she's home for a few weeks before heading back. Um, and she had come home via the US, uh, Texas in particular, although she'd been to New York and Boston as well. Um, but her, her boyfriend is, is Texan. Um, he's actually a, a Taiwanese Czech Texan. Uh, carry on down this road, about three quarters of a mile. Yeah. It's on your left-hand side, yeah. next to another uh, road exit. Okay. I think if you spot a shop uh, and saw a news agents on your right, yeah. it's just after that on the left. Okay. No problem. Ah, so yes, yeah, so I was saying he's um, Jesse's Taiwanese Texan. Doesn't really. Uh, mean anything at all except yeah that explains in a sense how they got together because they were both in China together both in Beijing um, anyway oh, long story as always with me um, Jesse very kindly sent as a gift um, Gina and myself a a me fit each and our me fit being the Chinese version of the Fitbit um, and yes yeah, quite a nice piece to wear on your wrist quite elegant and we thought oh that's that's very kind um, charge them up <laughs> within 24 hours we have become so competitive uh, frequently checking who'd done the most steps <laughs> then of course it became who had uh, who'd got the most sleep and within that who had the best deep sleep <laughs> I couldn't believe neither of us could really believe how 
how much it uh, it was making us kind of think in these terms. Like it's got a lorry backing across the road in front of me here. One of those runs where things seem to be happening. But uh, as you can probably tell, because I'm chatting with you, it's a very easy, easy trot this afternoon. And in fact, uh, this is now going to be my third run in, an, in three days. Uh, thank you. Which um, it's unusual these days. For quite some time now, I've been alternating uh, a day of running with another activity. And again, <laughs> I think I blame the Mefit because uh, uh, yesterday, you know, of an evening. Um, through this summer, Gina and I have been taking to just having a an after dinner walk, and we walk about a mile and a half loop, um, just pleasantly rounds off the day, and uh, we have a chat about how the day's gone and and other things. And um, of course, with the advent of the Mefit, this has been a way of just getting up to our target steps for the day. And yesterday, I was working uh, a couple of jobs to do during the day, and uh, we were out dining with friends in Bath yesterday evening so I knew I wouldn't be getting my after-dinner walk and so I thought oh, I'd better put some more steps in well clearly having a run is the best way of doing that in a condensed time period so so second day running yesterday now today uh, just booked to see the new uh, Jason Bourne film tonight so that's potentially another evening's walk gone um, so I thought well better get some steps in it means another run so I thought, well, because it's my third run in a row, I'd better, um, I better just wind this one back a bit. And the ideal way, put the microphone on and record. Because if I'm running at what is now my quite slow pace, even that 
makes me uh, huff and puff a bit and it wouldn't be very pleasant for you guys to listen to less pleasant than this even <laughs> anyway so these things combined to mean uh, a nice easy pace run this afternoon and a good chance to record for spikes and uh, what I'm recording to now well clearly I've it's been a few weeks again since the last episode and uh, in that time Honest Jim has stepped up to the world of ultra running and he's recorded his thoughts on the experience so let's hand over here to now not just our marathon correspondent but our our ultra correspondent over to you Jim James here, aka Honest Jim, uh, marathon correspondent for Peter and Spikes, um, giving you a call with regards to my race I've just ran. It wasn't a marathon this time, uh, it was an ultra, uh, it was actually 100k, uh, ran uh, last weekend, what am I now, I'm on Friday now, so it was, ran last uh, Saturday, so almost a week ago. Uh, legs are feeling great now. Um, haven't had a run at all this week. I decided to give myself a week off running, um, and should have uh, had a busy week. Actually, I wanted to record this when it was really fresh in my mind because it's uh, been an incredible experience. Um, but I had a really busy week this week, um, so come back straight off uh, the ultra into a sixty-hour week at work, uh, which isn't isn't really recommended on the first day, especially <laughs> uh, when it was struggling to walk. But uh, anyway, the race I ran uh, was, uh, it's called Race to the Stones. Um, it spans from the Chilterns in Oxford to the North Wessex Downs. Uh, it's along the Ridgeway, uh, which is the oldest path in Britain. Apparently, for 5,000 years, men and women have left their marks on the chalk paths and woodland tracks, making it one of the most fascinating routes within the UK. Um, the views were absolutely incredible, um, but as usual, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, I was running this race uh, with a friend, uh, Dean, uh, who I used to work with. Uh, I was his best man, actually, about a month ago at his wedding. Um, he was going in with a few niggles, uh, as most of us have when we've been running a few years. Uh, his was an Achilles uh, problem. Uh, I've still got my long-lasting knee issue, um, but uh, I don't think that's ever ever going to really go away. Um, so I've just sort of lived with it. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we were both going in. Uh, Dean did think about pulling out. Uh, beforehand, um, then sort of decided he was going to try and walk it. Oh God, 100k walking, I wouldn't fancy that. 
Um, there were a number of op options uh, for the race itself. There was the non-stop 100k version, uh, where you obviously you know started and finished on the same day, and there was two 50k options as well, where you could run uh, day one 50k camp and then run day two afterwards, or you could enter just one of them if you wanted. Um, there was a between 800 and a thousand people. I think in the one day, um, I think I think that was the original number. Anyway, how many sort of didn't make the start line because of injuries? No idea. Um, but it was a real sort of exciting setup. Um, we managed. We we actually stayed in High Wycombe, which is about twenty-ish miles north of the um, start line, and um, Dean's wife Fiona was the um, support. Uh, vehicle, so she drove us to the start. Her plan was to then drive to uh, the fifty um, k mark um, and then go on to the finish. Um, now the start was uh, a bit more like a marathon, really, where it was quite exciting. Um, you're in a in a field, but you've got music going. You've got a few marquees going. Real excitement, real welcome from the. Um, uh, marshals, you know, and signing up, getting your race bib because they don't send them out, uh, filling a few details in, and real music blasting, you know. And it, I, I sort of think it's um, they've taken a few things from the Marathon de Saab where you've got that excitement sort of building. Um, because some ultras it's quite low key, it's quite nice sometimes being low key. Um, but this, I, I, I did like the excitement sort of surrounding it. Uh, I knew a few other people running it, um, and uh, had a Dutch mate who I actually met, uh, made friends with a few years back, running the wall with him, Hadrian's Wall. Uh, his name's Carlo. He was running it. Uh, he had another uh, friend of his, uh, Chris, and a Belgian woman, um, and her name has gone completely. Oh dear, so if you're listening, um, yeah, and anyway, but they were all running, and um, so it was nice to meet them, you know, you, you make these these friends and you've all got common interests, and it really is quite exciting when you all sort of gather on the start line. Um, it was a very warm day, very muggy as well, um, that would play a part for a lot of people who actually didn't make it, um, sort of dropped out. Uh, halfway or before uh, because of the heat. Even when you're in the shade of um, sort of forests, uh, it was just really muggy. Um, so it really didn't give any relief, even though you're out of the sun. Uh, I think it was probably, um, probably 25, 26 degrees. Um, so what's that? Uh, 54, 64, 75. Uh, what's that? Mid 80s for all you Yanks out there. Um, but, um, Anyway, I, I mean, it was a coolish start, but it would warm up quite a lot. Um, now, uh, my plan was to um, go really pretty slow, actually. Uh, nice and easy. Um, really sort of a uh, little bit below 10-minute mile-in, um, but really just just within myself. Nothing, you know, so I, I'd say I was about three-quarters of the way back of the field at the start. Um, think I probably could have gone a bit earlier than that, but it all equals out eventually. Um, there was a couple of bottlenecks 
at the start area, going through a few smaller gates. Um, but it equals out, uh, uh, you know, over 100k, blimey. You can't moan about a few little um, snags at the start. Um, but um, when we did start, um, you sort of straight away went um, over a few fields and into some really quite heavy forested area where you're in the tracks, but you were bunched up, so it was maximum too wide, and there was lots of roots and um, stones, and I did see four or five people go down heavy you know um because you were close in front of the uh, close to the person in front of you you just couldn't see uh where your feet were going uh you know so you didn't have time to really dodge the rocks and stones and roots so it really was a case of um really trying to react quick um small footsteps so you're not sort of you know so if you do stumble the other foot goes down quickly to regain balance um bit of luck as well uh, but like I said, I did see some people go down pretty hard. Now, the checkpoints were roughly every uh, 10k, every six miles, um, give or take a few a few miles. Now, my plan was really just to run, break it down in chunks, run to the next uh, checkpoint uh, where I had the same system every time. Uh, I'd go in, um, top both my 500ml bottles up uh, with water, um, then go and drink about three or four small cups of uh, flat coke. Um, see what the food was on offer, um, but there wasn't there wasn't much to my tastes. Um, so I had a few. I was carrying a few bars with me anyway, um, and I have been trying to get fat adapted recently. I've I've cut out um, almost all carbs for the last sort of four or five weeks now. Uh, actually, probably a little bit longer than that, and and it really has, has a brilliant effect on my body, where I'm not getting hungry anymore. My bo- my body is uh, getting fat adapted, um, so this would pay me pay dividends in this race uh, later stages. I just didn't get that hunger. Um, I did have uh, salt tablets. Uh, I took one um, after every aid station, um, and in the later aid stations, I actually even had a, a sort of small cup of tea as well, which I did put sugar in. I don't usually have sugar, but it was just sort of a, a little pick me up. Um, yeah, and that that was I'd sort of be in and out of the aid station very quickly. Uh, a lot of people seem to hover and even sit down um, in the aid stations, which I, I thought was a big mistake. I tend to do my thing, get a cup of tea and then allow myself to walk two minutes drinking it. Um, and then after that, you know, uh, throw the contents away if I hadn't drank it and, and store the uh, cup in my backpack. Um, I was like a walking, litter, running litter bin, actually, at times during this race. Um, but, um, yeah, so I, I didn't hang around in the A stations. I, I, I think when it's hot, people are very tempted to hang around. I tended to get my hat off. Um, there was massive great big water containers with taps on the side where you could fill your uh, bottles up. So I filled my bottles up, uh, put my hat completely under the water, really got it soaked and nice and cold, uh, put it back on my head. um, And during the whole run, it really was a case of trying to, if you can run in the shade, run in the shade. Um, Most of it was trail. However, it's been very dry for the last sort of three weeks, which was enough to make me choose road shoes. Uh, they were hockers, um, uh, pretty new hockers, hocker design, which I think, yeah, the Claytons. Um, brilliant, 
trainer. Uh, like the Cliftons, but a larger, wider tow box. Uh, so I, I actually love them. Um, made the 100% right decision wearing these uh, trainers. Um, was a bit worried that it was wet, and then I would have, I would have, I've got a, a hocker, uh, a trail shoe. Um, but without it being wet, I'm glad I didn't, I didn't use them. So I made the right choice there. Um, like I said, it did get very hot during the day, and I'd say. Uh, it was really the halfway point where it was pretty warm. Uh, I ran into that. Uh, I'd had I'd had two uh, iPod shuffles uh, with me, um, which were sort of playing nice and easy sort of music, um, really sort of um, soundtracks to some lovely films like uh, Legends of the Fall, Last of the Mohicans. Um, I really find them, them that, that music quite inspirational. Uh, when you're running nice and easy and you've got nice views, uh, I just really sort of get into that sort of music and it, and it takes me away and I, I really enjoy the music with the, with the setting. Um, but like I said, got to halfway. Um, Dean's, uh, my, my friend's wife was there, true form, and she had a ba my bag there, which I'd asked her to have there. Now, this was um, something I wish uh, the aid stations would have. Uh, I had some um, little... Uh, little uh, pots of a fruit jelly, and uh, and I really ate them very quickly. That was absolutely lovely because I'd really struggle getting any food or any bars down just because it's dry. Um, so that went down lovely. So that's a reminder myself on my next twenty-four hour event to absolutely stock up on fruit jellies. Um, there was some little uh, bags of uh, salty peanuts and. Um, uh, raisins, they went down really well as well. Um, so that was another thing that I sort of note to self uh, for future. Um, but uh, after the... Uh, I, di I didn't stick around halfway point at all long. Uh, used it pretty much the same as um, every other aid station. There was a hot food choice, uh, but again, you had to walk 40-odd um, yards to a big marquee. I don't want to walk any extra. I'm doing 100K. Um, I didn't want to walk any extra. I had planned to change my socks at this point. Um, I'd had a few hot spots on my feet, but they weren't hurting and they weren't in crucial areas. So I risked it and ignored it. Um, that too was something that paid off, thankfully. Um, I have I run in toe socks um, and they are brilliant. I had two tiny blisters um, later on after the race. I checked my feet, um, but um, they weren't in crucial areas, low-bearing areas of my feet. Um, so that they, they were absolutely of no worry at all to me. When the um, second half of the 100K sort of happened, that's when the, when, that's when the real race starts, in my opinion. A lot of the one-dayers are gone. Um, so now you're down to the, um, the nitty-gritty of the race. And to be honest with you, uh, it was as though I was in the race with only about another 20 people because at that from 50k to 100k, we just sort of um, swap positions with each other. Uh, you'd, you'd run with someone, you'd talk to someone. I mean, I talked to a lot of people during the race, but when it got hard, you just want to go in your own world. Um, so I did I did run quite a lot with a lady um, who I'd say was probably in her mid to late 30s, actually mother of four, 
Um, she was a really great runner, and I run quite a lot with her. And then she'd go ahead, and I'd catch her, and then I'd go ahead of her, and vice versa. Like I say, there was 15 to 20 people who we were doing that with all the way. Um, some beautiful houses on the route. Uh, really does um, make you think, God, um, mighty, how, how much money do these people have? I mean, I think... Um, sort of 20, 25 million pounds houses, um, some of them you're on the route and you're thinking, oh my goodness, I wouldn't mind that. Um, but um, anyway, I was running really, really well. Uh, running all the uh, flats, the downs, walking some of the steeper ups, uh, but then actually ran a lot of the ups as well. I was just feeling strong. I was still taking it very easy. Um, it did start to hurt, you know, 70, 80k, it did start to hurt, uh, at every aid station where there was a first aider, I was spraying my knees with a freeze spray, both my left and my right knee, um, like, like, pretty, pretty badly, I'd still only give it a 4 or 5 out of 10 with pain, uh, it wasn't that bad, I knew I wasn't causing injury, it was just the you know, I have a long issue with my knees, but I could feel it wasn't that bad. So I was able to, it, was, it wasn't really, you know, top of my mind. It's just when I had the option of having the freeze spray on my knees, yeah, God, give me some freeze spray, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll dull it for a little while. Um, but um, yeah, I, so it was going really, really well. Uh, my watch died... <laughs> <laughs> quite early on in the second half. I can't remember how far I'd gone, which was a little bit of a pain because I um, uh, was, like I said, I was running to the next aid station. I was never thinking about 100K. I was just always thinking, right, okay, that's, um, you know, uh, 56 miles uh, done. Right, next, eight, next one, uh, 63 miles, you know. Um, or 63k, sorry. So I, I, I was just moving it on every every sort of 10k or every six miles. I, I was on, only ever thinking about that sort of distance. So when I lost my watch, um, it sort of ooh, it sort of knocked me a little bit because I really was thinking small bite-sized chunks all the time. Um, there was a few markers along the route of how sort of much distance you sort of done um but and and you know arrows and all that so it, it, was, it was easy to follow the route and i would highly recommend sort of you do this race if you're thinking about doing an ultra as long as you don't mind a few hills um but um so when my watch died i sort of had to just grit get my head down it was at this stage where i really sort of realized that the, my music choices however suited the first half of the race when you really want some get up and go on the music uh my music my music on my um uh, shuffles was really naff <laughs> so ne another note to self uh i need some better music on one of my ipod shuffles um i have two um just in case they'd sort of die um so i'm going to keep one for the nice relaxing soundtrack music and then two with some really sort of get up and go music so i i, I need that uh for the tough moments where you need to power it a bit um now uh, the the woman i I'd, I'd sort of ran with her fella had sort of um been supporting her and he kept jumping from aid station to aid station to aid station he managed to sort of see her at every single one which was really impressive now 
she said he would park at the finish and then run out to her. Now, he actually ran out to her. This is where I, I made a slight miscalculation on my uh, sprint finish. Um, he actually ran out to her and he made it all the way um, to 10K out. Uh, so he made it six miles out. And now I misjudged that. I thought he'd ran 5K out. Now, I had been running slightly behind this woman at the time. And when I saw him, I thought that must be about 5K to go because I hadn't seen a marker for ages. And I was trying to judge it. And at this point, every mile felt like three miles anyway. So my judgment was completely out. Um, but when he came, I thought, right, that's it. Go fast now. Um, it's funny because my legs were tired, but they were more tired from running slowly. And once I got up on my toes, my calf muscles, I hadn't really been using them because it's a different style of running. I mean, my chest and my lungs thought, what on earth are you doing when I started sort of shifting up the paces? But my legs actually thought, oh, this feels a bit of a rest. Strangely, even though I was doing sort of two, two and a half minute mile quicker, I actually didn't feel so bad. It was a big effort, don't get me wrong, but it was a different sort of muscle usage, so it wasn't too bad. Um, now, this is where I started overtaking. Uh, I overtook the, the, the uh, lady I've been running with and her husband, and I said to them, I, I, smell a, I smell the beer tent. And they went, good luck, as they shouted as I went past. Now, I started to pick people off here, and and I started to get faster and faster and faster, thinking I'd only got 3.1 miles to go. Um, <laughs> after, unfortunately, after about, oh, let me guess, um, 20 minutes of running, uh, maybe a bit more, um, this is actually when I saw the 5K marker, and I thought, oh, no, I've still got 5K to go. It was like, it was a real, like, slap in the face. Um, but I thought, I am not going to let any of these people pass me who've already passed me. That will just make me look like a complete and utter idiot. And I thought, right, I've, I've, I've played my hand, now go with it, right? Um, I luckily had one piece of music come on. It was from another soundtrack. It was Band of Brothers, and it was quite an upbeat piece of music, beautiful uh, orchestral piece of music from Band of Brothers. And um, that G'd me up. You know, I got inspiration from such a so that wonderful sort of miniseries. Um, so I powered along again. Now, this is where there's a there's a crawl out and back near the end. And there's only sort of, uh, oh, I don't know, 3K to go. And you have to go past the, the farm where you're finishing. And you, you start to see, see people coming back. And I thought, have they already finished? Are they on their way to their cars? But no, 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 they weren't. They, they were on the out and back, so they were ahead of me. Um, so you do a little loop round. This is where the stones are. Now, they're not quite the size of um, uh, uh, the, um, oh, what's the English heritage site? Gosh, I've got a brain freeze here. Um, Stonehenge. They're not quite Stonehenge size, but they're sort of about three quarters the size of Stonehenge. And you actually do run through them all as well. And the uh, camera is is um, situated on an excellent point um, to sort of get the stones behind you. And I will say at this point as well um, that the photos, they took loads of photos throughout the whole race and they're all free. I mean, how good is that? That's, that's just amazing. And, the, and they actually update your Facebook site as you go. So as you're on the course, your, uh, as long as you gave them your Facebook details, the 
photo is instantly sent to your Facebook page so your family can sort of watch your progress as it happens. I mean, that's brilliant. I wish all races would do that. Um, but, um, yeah, I went through the stones. I went fast. Um, and this is when uh, I, I had to do my out and back, so I saw the other people I, I'd sort of passed. You know, it's my turn to go past them. Um, there was a, a sharp left and you had to run for a field, and the grass was quite long. And I was like, oh, God, lift those knees up, lift those knees up. You know, come on, you, you're going well. Now, I could see a woman ahead of me that had gone past me, uh, I'd say, with about about the 12-mile to go mark, roughly. And she was a great runner. And I could see her in the distance. She was wearing bright colours. And... She was at the top of this field, uh, well, I was about halfway through this field, and she turned left. Now, where you turn left, it is a good, slightly downhill, and it was a good sort of road. And we'd been so used to running on uneven surfaces that this road was pure bliss. Up until then, you've had to look at the floor almost all the time because of, um, you know, like I said, roots, rocks, just uneven ground. Um, So running on this was absolutely brilliant. I'd say it was about approximately 600 yards long and it was slight down all the way and you could see the finish, big finish uh, shoot. And when I turned, I like I say, about 600 yards long, I turned and the woman in front of me was about 100 yards, um, give or take, ahead of me. Now, as I turned, she looked back and looked at me, right? And, then she, and I think she thought, he'll never catch me. Uh, he's too far back. But this is when I sped up. I started doing about marathon pace, which, which is for me is about 720s. It just felt, I could see the finish, that was it, nothing was going to stop me. She looked back again and thought, oh my God, he's catching me. So she sped up to marathon pace. I sped up to half marathon pace, (laughs) which is just slightly sub sevens for me. She looked back, she then matched probably her similar half marathon pace. I then sped up to my 5k pace, which is, I don't know, six sort of thirties. She looked back and I could see the worry in her eyes. I was gained on her all the way. I was flying. Uh, luckily for me, I did have some friends at the finish that sort of caught all of this on camera. They sort of knew what time I was sort of coming in because um, they, they, I text them a couple of times where points I was at. So they actually um, took lots of photos as I was coming down this sprint. Now, I was about 20... Uh, feet behind this woman and we both seemed to be going at our max um, and that's when I don't know it's it something came over me I was sprinting like a hundred meter sprinter and my knees were higher than I've ever lifted them before I'm not sure what noise was coming out of me but I absolutely powered for that line um, and I overtook this poor woman who was powering herself with, I don't know, five or ten metres to go to the line. And I got over and I was absolutely jubilant. I really was. The man put a medal around my neck and I instantly turned round to this woman and said, I'm really sorry. I couldn't help myself. The sprint finish. And she said to me, I loved it. Don't be silly. I absolutely loved it. So thank God. I really didn't want to take anything away from her race because I actually think she was a much better runner than me. But 
I something took over me and um yeah that that inner demon in me just took over and uh yeah I, I mean I when I got over then the pain hit my quads um and I stumbled around for a little bit someone a friend took a photo of me near the time um overall approximately oh, wait a minute I've got it written down in the other room I'll just I'll run to the other room and I'll yeah, I was 12 hours, 34 minutes, 58 seconds. Um, and as I said, it was around 800 to 1,000 people ran in the one-day event, and I actually came 73rd. Um, so I'm happy with that. I'm well happy with that. Uh, top 10%, that'll do me any day. Um, so, yeah, I... I can't like I said, I can't recommend it enough. Uh, my Dutch mate Carlo actually helped me to a seat. He'd had to quit at halfway. Um, in fairness to him, he'd actually only done an Ironman two weeks before. Um, you think you're mad yourself until you always meet someone who's even madder than yourself. Uh, my friend Dean, he'd also had to pull out at halfway. I think a wise move. Um, his Achilles just had got the better of him. Um, and I think, God, if he'd have pushed on, uh, I think it would have been a spelled disaster for him. Um, so, yeah, the heat got to a lot of people. Um, and, you know, obviously my friends with fatigue and with injury, you know, failed to finish as well. Um, but, um, yeah, can't recommend the race enough. The marshals were good. The organi- organisation was good. The first aid, if you needed it, was good. Um, really loved it all. It's not a cheap race. Uh, I think it was around 130, 140 odd pounds. Um, now the dollars, I've I've no idea because our, our pounds so rubbish now. <laughs> uh, you know what the exchange rate is anymore? I'm not sure. Um, but um, yeah, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Uh, next race for me is a 24 hour event. I'm aiming for 100 miles. It's 10k loops. Did it last year. Managed 88 miles. Um, we'll see. You can never never really tell how it's going to go on the day for a 24-hour event. I have learned some good lessons, though, in this one. So hopefully I'll carry them forward and that will help me. Uh, I've got... I was planning on... Well, I'm booked in to do Brighton Marathon next April, which was another sub-315 attempt. However, I might do the Thames Path 100, which is also, it's only three weeks after um, Brighton. Now, you can't really rate, can't really train for a sub-315 marathon and a 100-miler at the same time, not really successfully. Um, now, I am pulled more at the moment towards the ultra. Um, the Thames Path 100 starts in London and runs up to Oxford. Uh, it's all along the Thames. Uh, it's called the Thames Path. If you do it under 24 hours, you get a lovely centurion buckle for your belt. Now, I want one of those. (laughs) Um, So, at the moment, I think I'm going to go for that one. Um, There's only 340 people plus 60 people who marshaled it last year can get in. Now, race entry opens tomorrow um, at... 10 a.m. So, 
I think I'm going to enter it. Haven't told the wife yet, but um, enter it anyway and tell her her some point over the next six months when she's in a brilliant mood. Um, Still, I am walking and running with joy now, fully recovered. I'm going to have my first run on Monday in two days' time. Uh, Nice, gentle off-road one, I think. Um, But uh, this was my best race ever. I finished strong. Um, whether it's because of the diet I've been following, now I'm sort of really low carb, high fats, healthy fats, not high fats, that's what they like to say. Um, don't know, I don't know, I just felt right. Um, yeah, ultras are definitely my future. Um, so, I'll sign off now, hope this isn't too long for you Peter. Um, run with joy. Oh, what a great great report great experience I think um, I look back to my ultra events and uh, I think of those really as being my best running experiences Um, I did enjoy the Ironman triathlon Um, I only, I've only done one, you know, I've simply never had the capacity to, to train at that level for very long, so uh, a long time ago now, you know, 24 years ago, I did my own man, but uh, that's similarly, you know, it's the ultra experience, it's, it's uh, digging very very deeply into your reserves and uh, you know when when all else is gone you're just trying to burn up the fat sources and you know it's, of course the uh, physiological aspect of that is that you could actually carry on working at that level for a very long time thank you and uh, yeah, there's clear evidence that this is how the body adapts isn't there because think of all the people who've done you know day after day running activities or ultra activities where they've either run across America or indeed running around the world or a marathon a day for a whole year all these things they're done with two no let's say three what have the Romans ever done for us I'm going to say four components and I think the one component we cannot ignore but we have little control over it's simply luck you know if you're gonna run a marathon a day for a whole year or whatever you've got to have the luck of no major injury um 
The second component, in some ways the one that we have most control over perhaps, is to embark on this, this activity with, uh, with a level of fitness. Uh, and you're not going to, by and large, go from sedentary to ultra events. You know, back to back, day after day, ultra running without some level of fitness. Now, the next two components really are, they, they are far less quantifiable and much more in a sense individual and you're having just said about you know your your required base level of fitness I suppose even that actually there is a question mark there I think here of um, the massive efforts of, of the British uh, I think the correct term would be transgender comedian, but I'm not quite sure. I don't wish to offend. So this is a, a statement of my my ignorance, I'm afraid. But um, anyway, Eddie Izzard, uh, known certainly nationally and uh, in many countries around the world for his surrealistic humour and his um, his championing of causes really uh, but also more recently um, a few years ago now he did uh, he did a run around the UK and he ran um, I think it was London Cardiff, Belfast, Edinburgh, back to London, and the route was 43 marathons long, and he just ran it pretty much a marathon a day, day after day. Now the question mark here is because yeah, he's obviously got some level of fitness. You know, he's a, a motivated, driven character with great mental strength. But uh, I think he himself would say not physically strong in terms of fitness. Um, but he clearly suffered doing that, and uh, and his you know he would take up to ten hours each day to cover the marathon distance. So he was clearly in a lot of discomfort. But he did have those other 
two components. Firstly, the mental wherewithal, the ability to convince himself that he could do it. And that really is, I think, probably the strongest determinant of ultra events. It's the, uh, the ability to, to just know within yourself that you can do it. And the other component is, uh, is that physical adaptation. You know, very quickly you're going to use up your glycogen energy stores and you're going to adapt swiftly to, um, to using the fat store component and your body will do that um, to a greater or lesser extent I guess but you know, I don't know the full physiological uh, adaptations here whether they are particularly variable with individuals but uh, many of you know even in in one ultra event you know you sense yourself going through these these periods of you know, first just nice steady pace well within yourself then you kind of hit a a point probably that first make or break point yeah where you you determine if um if it's all getting a bit too much or you need to get yourself through this particular trough and uh and then start just just working it out just step after step after step yeah when I did my ultra running um, so I was successful in my first attempt uh, second attempt um, And I think here, yeah, yeah, that was, I think the second one was where I kind of did my personal best. And uh, I was on ground I knew, so the navigation was a much reduced problem. Not um, non-existent, but much reduced. And I just felt really strong. Then I had a, a couple of DNFs. Uh, one where I had a chest pain and another one a little bit later on when um, and just uh, one of those yeah, this was a real psychological failure I think. You know I got to about well I got to the breakfast point so that's a 60 miles and um, my knee had been giving me some discomfort and 
through the night that in the low points that discomfort got itself magnified and uh, I got to the breakfast point I just said Do you know I think that's it I think I'm cooked for this one and uh, handed over my number declared myself DNF and of course then immediately felt as if I could run out the door and keep going so that was a, a bit of a lesson a bit of a tough moment and then uh, subsequently I went back to another event and again completed the, the 100 miles um, that was a hard one that was the one where I logged all the uh, wooden and stone styles that we had to clamber over and uh, uh, 225 styles uh, which you know one is easy 25 you barely notice you have a 200 but you're lifting those achingly tired legs through that height and over oh boy you know about that anyway here's me waffling on about my historic experiences and this podcast is much more about celebrating Jim's achievement well done James uh, so what's been happening since we last uh, communicated well I guess in Britain it's been a few weeks of political upheaval such as few of us have experienced before um, we had the whole vote over remaining part of the European Union or leaving and uh, you know I don't know if I even need to declare what my vote was um, and the reason I'm hesitant is become it has become such a divisive thing in, in our country um, uh, yeah, and the crazy thing is that you know I know from from his posts that um, Jim honest Jim voted to exit um, and he subsequently received quite a lot of abuse really yeah, and all he's done is to exercise his democratic right to make a choice on the evidence he's read and perceived and what he feels is best both for him and his family and for his country yeah, and uh, I think I guess I've been pretty open with my 
my politics over the years. Um, personally, I was a Remain voter. I wanted to stay in. And uh, again, exactly the same uh, considerations were made by me. I voted because of what I understood the uh, the facts as far as we had them were um, and I believed for me and my family and my country it was better that we remain and seek to uh, to change this really quite flawed union but from the inside where we had a voice than from the outside where we in many ways won't have a particular voice um and you know I don't quarrel with Jim for a moment yeah but my observation of this process is that it makes you realize how uh, well how angry and aggressive our society can be and indeed just how civil war can happen now I'm not suggesting that Britain is on the brink of another civil war I think that would be really overstating the case but you do see in this microcosm how uh, how high feelings run and how readily uh, individuals are to to take against each other and you know it's not too big a stretch of the imagination to see how these things can rapidly become violent for me the biggest sadness of it is that my country which uh, which I do love and care about um, has has shown its nastier side here on some occasions just lately you know people uh, being very antagonistic and really quite unpleasant towards um, those from other countries who have tried to make their home here and yeah, there will always be those who abuse the system. There are those native to our country who abuse the system. But the vast, vast majority of those who settled here seek to make a better life for themselves and their families and their community so it saddens me very much to see any lack of tolerance and any 
abusive behavior. <laughs> and then of course, subsequent to, to that vote we had, uh, and a political turmoil really, where both of the major parties in our governing system seem to be tearing themselves apart. The Conservative Party has always had a slightly better grip on what it takes to remain in government, for which you must be power. Um, and they seem to largely have settled their differences at the moment with the election of our new Prime Minister, Theresa May. They, uh, Labour Party, on the other hand, seems hell-bent on destroying itself and, uh, well, what used to be the third, I don't have to say major force, they were always in third place, but the Liberal Democrats, you know, they, um, they really came very unstuck as a result of going into coalition government. Not that it was necessarily a bad thing at the time, but they somehow lacked the ability to, to capitalize on their strength at the time. They became very much the whipping boys for all that went wrong and now really at the moment they're largely in a political wilderness and that um, probably saddens me most of all because my my natural inclination is towards liberalism <laughs> anyway that's been the recent turmoil here and of course, I'm not even beginning at this point to look across the pond at American politics. Oh boy, there's a podcast in itself. Well folks, that's it, I've got back home. So I think I'll uh, wrap it up there. Um, thanks again, Jim, for telling us your story. Thank you all for for listening and you know if you've got a race or an event or an element of life that you want to speak about then please do just just drop an audio file to me at spikespodcast at gmail.com it's going to find me and uh, I would just finish up by saying um, Gina and I are both well and uh, enjoying life very much um, and and just going through a period of, of seeing friends um, it's Gina's 60th birthday at the start of next month and we've organised um, a dinner for, for family and friends to get together um, so we're looking forward to, to seeing some people some of whom I've not seen you know for for a couple of decades now, um, dear friends, you know, one of whom 
uh, took part in that German Iron Man with me, so it'll be good to see him again. And uh, you know, another other naval colleagues and, and people I've met in my life who've become important. So anyway, that's um, that's what's happening with us. And at that point, I think I'm going to wrap up. I'll simply um, uh, say to you, run and love with joy. And um, I look forward to talking to you again soon. Take care and all. Bye-bye.